And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Lord, would you come and speak to us through your word in Christ's name, amen. Well, a more warm welcome to you on this uh, Sunday, especially if you're visiting from, uh, visiting friends or visiting us for the first time. Uh, it's great to have you with us. As we've been journeying through uh, Advent, we've been reminding ourselves that in order to prepare for what comes next, for what the Lord's about to do, we look back and as we consider that he will come again, we consider his first coming and look at the themes that were there. And so for two weeks, we've been looking at a rather eccentric fellow, John the Baptist, um, you know, interesting diet, interesting fashion wear, all that, and strong message. And, and now we turn to a very different figure and a very different message. You've heard it just read in the gospel. It's been recorded. Uh, and I've heard it. It's called the Magnificat. It's one of the most popular songs of the scriptures. Uh, Bach, you know, has done countless versions of it. I've heard it done to, to a steel drum band, which kind of made sense at the time. Um, you know, people have whispered it in cathedrals around the world. Uh, people have prayed it at the end of the day. And it, again, it, it's an it's a anthem, much like the anthem we finished that last worship set with, uh, of just one of expectation and praise. And as we turn to Mary, the questions change. And the question for you this morning is, what would make you celebrate wildly? What would make you celebrate wildly and without inhibition? Perhaps it'd be the news that someone close to you who'd been very sick was getting better and would soon be home. That would make me celebrate. What about you? Or perhaps it's the news that your country had escaped from tyranny and oppression and could look forward to a new time of freedom and prosperity. Perhaps it's the message that all of your debts have been paid and you no longer have to worry about your business. It's all been sorted out and you can relax. Would that cause you to celebrate wildly? Perhaps it would be the telephone call to say that you've been appointed to the job you'd always long for. Perhaps if that were to happen, you might phone everyone you could think of and invite them to a party. You might sing a song. 
You might even make one up as you went along, probably out of bits and poems that you'd already known, or maybe adding your own words to a new great, to a, adding your own words to a great old hymn. And if you lived in the kind of culture where rhythm and beat mattered, <clears throat> like Mary did, it would be the sort of song that you'd clap your hands to and you'd stomp your feet, right? It's not, you know, I, I, I worshiped at the cathedral most of my life, first half of my life, <clears throat> pardon me, and it was great, but I always felt there was something lacking as the choir chanted the Magnificat. I mean, we need Phil Collins-style drums, right? I mean, it's that kind, of, it's epic. And this is how we're to read Mary's song. All right, so let's try that. Kevin and Luke, would you come up? They are not prepared for this. I stepped out during the readings to try to prompt them. Come on up, we're gonna experiment here. When you're friends, you can take out. All right. So. You are, you will be. Just do what we did just for the, um, the doxology. But just go wild. And as he goes, you start. That's it. down just a bit. So Mary, what she's doing, you can carry on the background, it's quite nice. Um, what Mary's done is she's lifted out of the Old Testament Hannah's song. Hannah was barren. She'd longed for a child. And as much as she longed for a child, the living God longed for someone who would bring the word of the Lord back to the people. So when Hannah discovers that she's conceived, she writes a song. Two mothers about to give birth are meeting together. And the presence, the presence of Mary causes the life that's just begun to grow in, in Elizabeth's womb, she probably called her Betty, leaps because it's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, all of her upbringing, all of the things that our kids are learning now, Mary just starts to take an old hymn from the Old Testament and just starts to put her words to it. And so I'm gonna read what she sings, and they're gonna play, and we're gonna to try to, this is totally, this is live, right? And if you're watching on live, this doesn't get more live than this, unrehearsed. So bring it up a little bit, play, and we're gonna read this, and just get a feel for what it was like on that first, first time it happened. Because this, this was a revolutionary song that was heralded. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Cue the drums, that's it. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Gentlemen, thank you. Not bad. So this, this Magnificat, this, these few verses, Tom Wright des- describes as the gospel before the gospel. This happens 30 weeks before Jesus is born. This happens 30, maybe 33 years before the death of Jesus. This is happening before Calvary and before Easter. And it goes with a sing and a clap and a stamp. It's about God and it's about a revolution. That's what the fourth Sunday is about. Things are, have been turned upside down. And it's because of Jesus. Jesus, who's only just been conceived, not yet born, who has made Elizabeth's baby leap for joy in her womb and has made Mary giddy with excitement, hope, and more importantly, triumph. You see, Mary and Elizabeth shared a dream like many people in their day, and that was the ancient dream of Israel that one day, everything that the prophets had said would come true. It'll all happen, just as it was said. One day, Israel's God, Yahweh, the Lord, would do what he said and do what he promised to his earliest followers, that all nations, all, would be blessed. But for that to happen, the powers that kept the world in slavery had to be toppled. If you're poor, if you're hungry, if you're oppressed, in order for you to feel blessed by God, you would have to see evidence that the causes of injustice in the world that kept you poor, that kept you oppressed, that kept you in bondage had been toppled. And that's why Mary's song, the Magnificat, is so striking. And as I said earlier, it's these two mothers-to-be celebrating together what God is going to do through their sons, John and Jesus. And so if you've got your bulletins, we'll just take a few, uh, just a look at a few things that leap out that would be, I believe, an encouragement to you this morning. I mean, it's, if the music wasn't enough, I just could have stopped there, but, you know, we have time to kill, so. Um, Verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. So this is, the way that this is written indicates that this is a whole body experience of just absolute joy. And it's looking to someone who will save. 
in verse 48, she says, for. And it indicates that Mary's about to present the reasons why she is so full of praise. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. That's really encouraging, should be encouraging for some of us today. Because it tells us that what's so encouraging is that he is the God who sees. He doesn't just see, but he looks. He looks in close. He looks in close to see what our humble estate is. He did for Mary. He did for the people of Israel. He has done for people who have put their faith in Jesus. And he is doing it this morning for you. He's the God who sees for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Humble estate, you know, if you're a fan of Downton Abbey, means one thing. Um, but it means something else, here, something else here. You see, in the kingdom of God, humility is a superpower. Humility is arresting. Humility can advance agendas and enterprise in a way that Pride and arrogance cannot. And God often uses people who are not great in the world's eyes. The least is often the most important. And often the least in the eyes of the world become the most significant in his purposes. Here am I, send me. And the least, the humble, are often the ones who work powerfully for his purposes here on earth. And then she has this moment of awareness, self-awareness, from behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And she's recalling in this verse the angelic encounter. And then we move, we change gears in verse 50 to the end. And the hymn moves from Mary to what her son's birth means for her to what it means to all who wait in expectation and hope. And the first thing that might be um, a little surprising is in verse 50, he says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Um, and fear here isn't, oh, I'm afraid. It's a deep Reverent respect. So as a boy, we would go run the Restigush River in Atlantic Canada. And before we'd go, Dad would, before we put the canoes in, Dad would go look at the water. And he would see how it was running. And I'd say, what are you doing? He said, you have to respect the water. Because the water is much more powerful than you are. And you are so insignificant compared with that if we don't respect the water, all can be lost. I was like, oh, it's a bit strong, but, you know, kind of went with it. And, um, you know, that's the idea. There's a deep, reverent uh, respect here. That his mercy will be on those who take him at his word and live lives out of respect for what he's promised. And then the second ground for Mary's praise, which is a huge encouragement for us today, is that he's shown strength with his arm. It's that God is mighty. When you think of God as father, is he an old father? Or is he a young father in his prime, say 43? Right? What is, our, is, it, is he Santa Claus or is he actually 
you know, a young father full of energy and strength. And the picture we have of God in the scriptures, certainly from this, is that he is mighty. And he's overcome death by bringing a life to a woman who was barren, not just barren, but beyond the time of expectation. And not only that, but the child who's been newly conceived will defeat death once and for all. He's also willing to scatter the proud. He's willing to scatter the powerful and the proud who don't think they need God so that he can make things right. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent empty away. Um, last week we asked for volunteers to help package cookies. Remember that? And Kathy and a team, um, I think 400 cookies were baked. I don't know how many dozen that is, but many. And, um, and they were wrapped Tuesday and then Wednesday morning in the crack of dawn, we rolled up to Brian Adams High School and uh, we went into the staff lounge and we sat there for 20 minutes, it was crickets. We were ready to, I don't know what we're gonna do, we're gonna do something and we put the cookies all in the mailboxes and then this one teacher walks in, having a bad day and they hadn't even started yet. And um, I think it was Ellie took a bag of cookies and gave it to the teacher and suddenly everything changed. She said, oh wow, you would do this for me? And she said, yeah. And then they talked, is this the school you're gonna to go to when you're going to high school? And she said, I don't know. And, you know. and then she just began to share her life about how hard things were and how much this meant. And it, it just struck me that on one hand, it was only cookies. Perhaps an insignificant act. On the other hand, it was a blessing and this teacher transformed before our eyes. And as soon as we gave it to her, it's as if she received the blessing and she began to be so motivated and moved that you could tell that she'd been touched. And it's as if there was something of the kingdom of heaven on those cookies. God, the mighty right hand of the living God moving in tandem with the hands of a baker and her team. To Abraham and his offspring forever, verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever, he's going to bring everything to pass. And that's why this is so exciting. That's why this is a revolutionary hymn. That's why this is so powerful. What would make you celebrate wildly today without inhibition? God sees you. Now it is you see, but he's looking at your humble estate. He knows what you're going through. Secondly, he's mighty. And he's called us to this place for such time as this. If the Lord has burdened you to pray for a cause or a place, it's because he's calling you to be significant. And through your prayers, maybe even in your heart, an idea will be born as you pray that will continue God's long-promised revolution. But these issues are big, aren't they? I read this week that child poverty is horrific here in Dallas. That in Pleasant Grove, a number way too big of children go to bed hungry at night. 
And so I've been moved to pray. I don't know what to do. But we have the opportunity to pray and to press in and to ask the Lord to move because he sees and he's mighty. And he's called a church to worship him and to be his hands and feet. And if he sees what's going on and if he's mighty and can bring life where there's death, then all he's asking for us to do is to worship him and follow his lead. Do I have time for one more story? I have a friend I've known for 21 years here in Dallas. She was the first person I met in England. Caught me a bit off guard. She was a Texan. You don't expect to meet Texans if you're a Canadian in England. And the first time she met, we met, in an accent I can't repeat, or even emulate, she said, Canadians and Texans get, well, get along well together. I'm gonna pray God calls you to Dallas. So 21 years later, we're living in Dallas. She's godmother to uh, like all of our children because that's what Texans do. There's not just one. There's, it's all right. And we're at Toby's nativity where he's a camel singing some song about, you know, Jesus in the manger. And, and she turns around to me and she says, you know, Dave, my, uh, I founded this thing, Dallas Champions Academy, and we're having a Christmas thing on Friday and our caterer has pulled out. Could you um, cater for 50? I said, 50 on Friday? Yeah, that should be a problem. That's like, what, two briskets or, or a few ribs? That's no problem. And, you know, friends, right? Friends. Turns out when the organizer called me, it was on Saturday morning, not Friday. It was for 300 people, not 50. So the scale just went out the window, and, you know, I made a few phone calls, and on short notice, I had a friend drive up from Waco, and somebody, Andy, came and joined me, and we just started slinging ribs. And... Um, the, the feedback we got from Pleasant Grove yesterday was that it was a toy giveaway for people who couldn't afford to buy toys for the children. And to be frank, mostly single moms who didn't have the money to buy gifts for their children for Christmas. They had to sign up ahead of time and bring their children and kind of a, an amazing thing, but also loaded, right? Because you come face to face with what you cannot provide. And the report back was they were surprised because before they got in, they sat down to a meal of hot dogs and ribs, which I think is what we'll have in heaven, to be fair. I think pork will be okay when all things are renewed. And, um, and it struck me that just like with the cookies, what Jesus has done at Brian Adams School, where's Kathy, and at this thing in Pleasant Grove is that the Lord prepared a table for these people going through incredibly difficult circumstances. He prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies so they could be blessed. And that's, you know, praise God for friends that get you way over your skis, as we say in Canada. But I share that with you because that's what it felt inherently practical. And in my experience, my life, the most spiritual things have felt incredibly practical. And, um, and I think sometimes the Lord just calls us to see if we might be able to do just a little insignificant act that might carry the weight of heaven on it. So what would cause you to celebrate wildly with abandon? To see the might of our Father in heaven move this Christmas in some way? 
or to realize that he sees you and he looks and he knows what you're going through and he has already prepared a way for you to receive all that you need and maybe even some of the things you really want in your heart. Let's pray. And as I say, Lord, in your mercy, do respond, hear our prayer. Lord, we, we lift you our city. We lift you the city of Dallas. And we, we think of all the things going on in our city and we hold it in tension with what we've heard read to us this morning from the scriptures. We pray that you would show the strength of your arm in Dallas. Lord, in your mercy, we thank you, Lord, that you exalt those of humble estate. We thank you that you see, that you're the God who sees. We pray for those who are struggling in big ways and in ways that they have not shared with loved ones, that you would meet with them. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for our leaders appointed and elected. We pray for our Mayor Eric, our Governor Greg, and our President Joseph, and ask that you would move in their hearts and bless them that they might lead with diligence. Lord, in your mercy, we thank you, Jesus, that you fill the hungry with good things. And we ask very practically that you would put an end to hunger in our city. We pray for the North Texas Food Bank, for all of the churches and organizations like Buckner, behind every door, that seek to meet the needs of those who are hungry. Would you bless them and strengthen them? Lord, in your mercy. Finally, Father, we pray for those near and dear to us who are sick and in need of healing. And we name them before you now. For John, for Margaret, Lord Jesus, would you bring your healing and your peace, Lord, in your mercy. Finally, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. And we lift to you those we know who don't know you and ask that in the right way, you would speak to them, that they would come to know you even this Christmas. Lord, in your mercy, accept these prayers, Heavenly Father, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.